Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Just because you're in business doesn't mean you have to work 60 hours a week. It doesn't mean you have to sacrifice taking your kids to school or missing their dance recitals or sports games on the weekend. Make the time. When you make the time, you will work within the time that you have available. Now, coming back to Parkinson's law, it is a, a law that governs all of us as human beings. We use the means we have available. Limit the means because you're the architect of your future as an entrepreneur. That's why you got into entrepreneurship in the first place. Um, to master your time and make sure that you, you take the time to enjoy the fruits of your labor because you deserve it. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with John D'Amato, photographer, and with podcaster and podthon co-host Lee Waihara, then do check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Jackson Millen, also known as the Wealth Mentor. Jackson is an award-winning entrepreneur and wealth coach. He's the author of the international best-selling book, Enjoy the Journey, Creating Wealth and Living the Life You Desire. That book has been featured on the bestseller list in eight countries across 15 categories. Jackson has spent the last 12 years dominating the wealth and business strategy space, having worked with over a thousand clients to help them build over 1.2 billion in combined wealth. Jackson has personally scaled multiple seven-figure businesses and has helped many of his clients do the same. In our discussion today, Jackson talked to me about why it is important to focus on the outcomes you achieve rather than what you do. He explained how to productize your services. And we talked about meeting your customers where they are now. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Jackson Millen. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Sydney in Australia, Jackson Millan, who is the Wealth Mentor, and he helps coaches, consultants, advisors, and agency owners scale profitable lifestyle businesses that create them more profit, more free time, and more personal wealth. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Jackson. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks for having me, Jürgen. Looking forward to doing a bit of a deep dive and, and sharing some value with uh, with your audience. 
Mm, and it's fascinating because you actually reached out to me through, I guess it was one of your marketing programs, the way you have the systems built up. And we had a conversation and we had a little bit of an exploration about my business and you gave gave me some valuable ideas there that I'm working on right now. But um, that's how we got connected. And, and then I said, hey, I, I think you'd be a great guest for my show. So here we are. I think everything happens for a reason, Jürgen. So I'm uh, very happy yeah. we, uh, we connected on LinkedIn. Now, you started out as a financial advisor and then you kind of transitioned to wealth coach. So I'm interested to explore what, what you mean by wealth coach. But before we get to there, how, how did that transition come about? Yeah, so I come from pretty humble beginnings, Jürgen. My parents were, were, were business owners. My mum was a hairdresser. My dad tried his hand at basically every single business that you could possibly imagine and never really stuck with it long enough to have success. But one of the common themes that I saw throughout my entire childhood is that they were constantly struggling with money. It didn't matter how hard they worked, how hard they tried, that they really struggled to, to make ends meet. And Although we didn't really go without anything, we weren't afforded many of the opportunities that, that my friends and, and other people that I observed were able to have. So I went through my entire childhood with this, this kind of this, this curiosity around how do you better understand the language of money? Because I, I always saw money as being a vehicle, a vehicle to be able to, to create the life that you want and be able to attain the things that you want. And I, I got to, to my teenage years and, and I, for my entire childhood, I wanted to be a vet, but I, I got onto a trajectory where I finally realized that I wasn't a very good student and there was absolutely no way I was ever going to get the marks to get into to veterinary science at uni. So I went back to the drawing board and I asked my old man and I said, Dad, I want to go do something and I want to make good money and I want to help people. So he said to me, Jackson, if you want to make money, you've got to be around money. And I took that very literally. So as soon as I left and finished my HSC, I went and got a job as a trainee financial advisor at a place called the Financial Advice Center. And just imagine a, a floor full of hundreds of representatives on the phone, um, carrying on, making a whole heap of noise, and essentially celebrating when they were making sales. It was as close to the Wolf of Wall Street as you could possibly imagine, just without the midget throwing. Now, the thing that I quickly realized, Jürgen, was that the industry had been created to prey on the weak. I very quickly understood that what I thought financial advice was, the vehicle and having the, the ability to guide people like my parents to help them achieve financial freedom was a fable. And that many of the people that I'd surrounded myself with were doing things that were, let's say, not very honest, not very congruent, definitely not congruent with my values. I was uh, very quickly fired from that position because I kind of refused to do things the way that they did of, of preying on people like my parents. And I realized that the whole idea of, of the financial advice industry was fundamentally broken. And I decided I was going to take it upon myself to change that. So I binned the term financial advisor and I donned the term wealth coach because I realized that the, the, the term financial advisor has been tarred. It, it's been tarnished over the years of people doing the wrong thing. Like you've got to look at what happened in the global financial crisis, what happened in the Royal Commission. There always seems to be a headline in some news, news uh, uh, space of news talking about financial advisors doing the wrong thing. So what I really wanted to do is I wanted to not only just do and give financial advice to my clients, I wanted to empower them to understand how to make money work for them. So that's how this all came about. And uh, 14 years on, here we are. 
Okay. Now there's a whole bunch of things there to unpack. Uh, the first one, I guess, you know, you talked about growing up in an environment where it was actually difficult to come by abundant money, if you like. Yeah, that's my kind of term and synopsis. And if you you were anything like me in terms of how your parents were bringing you up, you would have heard lots of phrases like uh, money doesn't grow on trees and we're not made of money and that kind of thing. And um, it, to me, that uh, certainly formed a bit of a mindset around money. So do you see that as a, a very general problem that people have? And, and then when they get into, particularly when they get into entrepreneurship, where there's a lot more risk that they need to take and they have to spend money to grow systems or bring you know resources to bear to actually then create wealth, is, is that, does that get in the way? And w w how do you address that in a game? Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, there was many instances like that where I was really taught to believe these, 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 this way that money functions. And I, I remember as, as a kid, uh, I was probably about 10 years old, I came home and I saw that on the kitchen table, there was a massive pile of bills that were unopened that my mum didn't open. And I knew it was wrong. And I asked her about it. I said, mum, why don't you open those bills? And she said, oh, Jackson, I already know what's inside them. So what's the point? And I think a lot of these experiences, because we inherit our, our behaviors around money from either our firsthand experience or the experiences that we observe from people around us, typically our parents. And I think those things do definitely carry through because of these conservative views of, of, of being scarce with money, having this scarcity mentality around money definitely carry through for many entrepreneurs. And more importantly, it's not necessarily how they spend money, it's how they value money. And the entrepreneurs have a big issue with actually feeling like they deserve the money that they've created. There are so many business owners out there that work themselves to the absolute bone, burning the candle at both ends, slaving 60, 70, 80 hours a week, just to feel like they deserve their success. But hey, what's the point of having all the money in the world when you don't create the time and the freedom to enjoy it? Um, and this is a lot of the work that we do with our clients of disconnecting their time in their business from the profit they make and the wealth that they create. They can create more free time, more personal wealth, and, and essentially uh, more profit to enjoy. <clears throat> yeah, there's something you said there that uh, really rings a bell for me and and I'm sure is something that many people see, and that's that there's, you know, there's we sacrifice a lot of time uh, and yet we struggle with the money side of things. And on the other hand, of course, we never have enough time. And, and then we struggle with focusing the time we have on the right things to do, whether that's in business or whether that's in relationships or whether that's um, you know, taking care of ourselves. So talk to us a little bit about putting all that into context and making that shift from um, let's, let's de-emphasize money as the, the big measure of success and actually look at, at our freedom, our time. Exactly. We've got to realize that there are only two tradable commodities in this world. There is time and there's money. And I think for many of us as business owners and entrepreneurs, we place our business as being the destination. It becomes the be all and end all of our existence when in fact, it's, it's just a vehicle. It's a vehicle that you use to create the means for you to live life on your own terms. Like, what, what's the dream we're all sold when we get into business? That being a business owner gives you freedom and flexibility. But, but how many business owners do you really know 
have complete freedom and flexibility around what they do with their time, when they do it, and whom they do it with. Very few. And, and I saw this firsthand when my father, who was, was a very, very hard worker, worked 16-hour days for as long as I could remember. And I remember that his, his whole mantra for life was about working hard in order to defer gratification for a greater tomorrow. And he got to the age of 66, one year after what most people would define as a traditional retirement age, and he was diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer and given weeks to live. And nobody on the deathbed ever says, I wish I made more money. Everyone on the deathbed regrets the, the shots they didn't take, the experiences they didn't create the, the time and capacity for. And it's those memories. It's the things that are really important. So what we need to do is we need to get really clear on what do we really want and more importantly, why? And, and how we do that is we realize that our business is just a vehicle and we need to define our goals outside of the business. What are the, the, the lifestyle and financial goals that we're working so hard in pursuit of? And how do we make sure that we don't end up just creating another job for ourselves where essentially we may as well just should have stayed in, a, in an employment, getting a steady paycheck week after week, month after month. The whole idea we're in business is to create that freedom and flexibility. So we've got to get an understanding of what that North Star is that we're chasing. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear about you, your dad. That's a really sad story when you hear something like that. And um, you talked about lifestyle first. In, in some sense, you know, and it, it, in a way that's kind of time first because I look at, you know, if you think about money, you can go into a casino, you can bet on something, whether it's blackjack or the, or the um, roulette wheel, and you might lose one shot. And then the next time around, you might win a shot. So you can win money, you can lose money. And, and if you win, you can win something back that you've lost or you can look at it like that. I've I've won now I've won twenty dollars so that was the twenty dollars I lost before so I've actually got it back. With time you can't do that, right? No. However, however you spend the time, whether you lose it or whether you whether you spend it on something, it's gone. It's spent. You never get it back. So in that, in that sense, you know the value when you think about it in those terms, the value of time is much greater. When you talk about that lifestyle first proposal, it is that something you kind of set out to do right at the beginning of your business? How did that come about, that philosophy? To be honest, Jürgen, I didn't know. I definitely inherited my, my father's work ethic of feeling like I had to work hard for my money. Um, and I'd probably say looking to my early career, I did have very unsustainable work practices. But here's the thing. I think many people, when I tell people about my father's story, they, they, they feel sorry for me. But it was actually a gift. Because one of the last pieces of advice that my dad gave me was he quoted uh, Confucius, which he quoted very frequently. Like My old man was a very wise man. He gave me some very good advice. And as he lay there on his deathbed, he said to me, Jackson, every man in this world has two lives. And their second life starts when they realize they only have one. Hmm. And that helped me realize that we need to, as entrepreneurs, stop trading time for money. We need to, it is our mission to be able to disconnect the time that we invest from the outcomes that we achieve. So we have an asymmetrical relationship between time and profit. And this is where many people, when they're good at what they do in business, they double down on it because they know what works. So if they feel like they just do more of it, they're going to make more money. But it's sometimes counterintuitive to think, well, okay, I'm doing this really well, but how could I potentially redefine the system, the way that I go about scaling my business 
to make sure we do so in a way that isn't directly related to the time that I invest. And this was a principle that I adopted after my dad passed away. And, and actually, I read a book by one of your former guests, Mike McCallowitz, Profit First. Hmm. And Mike introduced me to, to Parkinson's Law. And what I realized is that we become, we, we create our own self-fulfilling prophecy in business. Like who told us that we need to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week as an entrepreneur to be successful? It's just something that we've just chosen to be true. So I said, okay, well, what if I use Mike's principle of Parkinson's law to limit the means, in this case, the time that I spend in my business, and I play a game with myself to see that in that limited time that I've created, can I achieve the same or a better outcome? And I've just continued to rinse and repeat that process over time, where I've now been able to get to a point where next year in March, I'll be embarking on a, a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive with my partner and our two dogs, you know, running a multi-seven-figure business with 27 staff from the road because I've manufactured that freedom for myself. Hmm. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording about that trip, so that, that sounds really exciting. But as you say, the I mean, there's lots of fun to be had there, I'm sure, and lots of exciting new experiences and places to see the most fascinating thing though in the context of today's conversation is that you can actually run your business while you're doing that and you're not feeling guilty about something slipping through the cracks because I'm, I'm guessing and we'll probably get to this that there's systems and processes and and team and and a culture in place that allows the business to run either without you or with with some limited input from you and yeah that's um that's the thing that I, I i find really fascinating with that trip as well exactly i think as business owners we all need a north star and i refer to this as a wig a wildly important goal now i'm sure all of you guys have probably heard of the bag the big hairy audacious mm -hmm. goal yep. and look i think sometimes that can be a little bit outlandish i think people can sometimes get a little bit far-fetched and this is not to be uh, not to say that you shouldn't be ambitious um, and this is the reason why I reframed it as a wig, a wildly important goal. And my definition of a wildly important goal is a stretch goal that is still within reach. It is reasonable. And for a very long time, I guess, particularly through the coronavirus situation, I think we've all been caught in this whirlwind, right? That we've been working much harder and because we're all of us are sitting at home. Some of us have been in lockdown in, in Melbourne. And what if you haven't had much more to do than work, right? And I found myself in this vicious cycle of just working myself to the bone. And I, I remembered what my old man told me and I go, okay, I need to set a lofty goal. So around about May, I said, okay, what is the most lofty goal that I could set to set myself a really clear North Star that allows me to align all of my values, my values around profit, growing and scaling our business, creating more free time so I can actually enjoy the experience of life and then also create more personal wealth. So I said, okay, I'm going to define a trip to do a lap around Australia in a four-wheel drive and run my business from the road. And, and where that was born from, Jürgen, is I've spoken to a lot of clients over the years who work with thousands of clients. And everyone wants to work hard now so they can enjoy their life later, whether it be travel the world or whether it be live a year in another country or whether it be to do the big lap of this beautiful country that we're in. And I ask myself, I mean, well, why can't I do this now? What, why do I have to wait until I'm, I'm older? Uh, or, uh, or my business is at a different point. Why am I making excuses for not being able to create this now? So I set the goal. I bought the truck. I, I set everything into motion. 
and I did everything that I possibly could to hold myself accountable to getting my business in a position so I could bring this to life. And you'd be, you'd be so surprised how quickly that once you set the wheels in motion for something, that you turn a dream into a goal and a goal into a plan and then a plan into action, how everything starts to fall into place. Now, we have a, a decent sized business. And we've, we've been running our business for three years. We've got 27 staff across three continents. We've got 400 active clients. And there's a lot of responsibility. And, and to be honest, there was a lot of roads that were pointing back to me. But this North Star, this wildly important goal, has forced me to redesign and systemize the way that I go about my work. Because the reality is there's going to be points of time in this trip where I'm not going to be contactable. I'm going to be in... The, the, the Cape, I'm going to be in the Nullarbor, I'm going to be in Arnhem Land, wherever it might be. And hey, I might not be contactable and I'm not willing to let my business burn or suffer as a result of me pursuing this goal. I want to have my cake and eat it too. And as business owners, we're afforded a, a tremendous opportunity to be able to have our cake and eat it too. Hmm. All this comes down to is making sure you define the goal and then you set the wheels in motion. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I can relate to that because I um, many years ago, my son decided to get married. He was in Europe at the time and we said, okay, we'll go over and, and attend his wedding, of course. And I said, well, let's, let's because we have family in Europe beyond that as well that we don't see all that often. I said, let's have a holiday, get together with family, do a little bit of touring around and have some fun. And so I, and again, like you, this was planned out well in advance. So I set things up in the business that it could run without me. Now, I initially said, okay, I'll, I'll take a day a week. I'll work a day a week on the business. The day we arrived in Basel, which was where my son was at the time, um, my daughter and I had uh, gone out all day to in the sunshine and I'm a keen photographer. So we were taking lots of photos and, and trying to keep the jet lag at bay. When I got back um, from that excursion, I said, oh, do you want to see the photos? I'll upload them to the computer. And the laptop hard disk died. Oh, no. So <laughs> there I was without a hard disk. Now, in hindsight, that was the message saying, you're not going to do one day of work a week. You're going to have a, a real holiday. <laughs> and as it turned out, I did actually buy another laptop about two weeks later because there was a, a, a really good deal going in one of the stores that I just happened to go into. Um, but I spent most of the time on that laptop working on my photography rather than connecting with the business because everything was running okay without me. I hadn't, hadn't kind of trusted that I wasn't actually needed at all, not even that one day a week, but the systems and everything we'd set up worked really well. And there was even a real troublesome customer that we had that um, whilst he complained a bit when I got back home all his problems had been solved without me getting involved at all so you know the Beautiful. main beef was probably just that he liked to talk to me so uh, and then later on I had a, a bit of a serious accident on my bike riding my bike so this was years later um, and that was unplanned unforeseen and I spent a week in hospital and of course the business just kept going because we'd done all this work before so it was a big lesson to me so question for you how do, how do you kind of get started if if you're looking at your business and you're saying hey i'd like to do this four-wheel drive trip around australia or or do a world tour or have a holiday for six weeks and and just let the business take care of itself how do you get started what are some of the key things you need to make sure are in place 
Yeah, great question. So the first thing is really going to be a time audit. I think many entrepreneurs, because we are kind of all things to all people, and, and as I mentioned before, many roads lead back to us, if not all roads in some cases, we need to make sure that we understand how, what do we need to delegate and who do we need to put in the right positions to afford us that freedom. Now, if you're a solopreneur, you're just working on your own, you're just getting started, then this may more, be more difficult. And I'm only able to do this because I do have a team and I have people to delegate to. So I think it's going to, it's going to be really important for you to understand what of your roles and responsibilities can you delegate elsewhere. The second thing is about creating your dream team, your org chart. What is the projected org chart or who do you need to put in certain roles to inherit those opportunities? So are there people that are already in your team that you need to get them to take on more responsibility? Are there people in your team that you need to ascend and mentor into a higher position? Are there new people that you need to bring in to be able to fill new roles and responsibilities to make sure that your business continue to grow and thrive in your absence? And you need to get 100% comfortable with letting go. Because what I find in most cases is that as business owners and entrepreneurs, we're control freaks. We want to have mm. a we want to have a, a finger in everything. We want to make sure that we've always got a finger on the pulse, and when given the opportunity, we take stuff back onto our place. So we want to make sure that we can get comfortable, and, and that's why we need to have a really clear goal. Because the more invested you are in the goal, the more likely are you you are to to release the reins. And then I guess the last part is really understanding the financials. This is would be next to impossible if you didn't know your numbers. You need to have a complete understanding of your KPIs, your metrics, and your finances in your business. Because the last thing you want to do is to be on the other side of the country and potentially uncontactable. And for whatever reason, your business is no longer sustainable because all roads are meant to be pointing back to you. And with you missing, everything comes to a grinding halt. The objective here, guys, is not putting your business on ice. It's about setting your business up to thrive without you. Because that's the dream as being a business owner, right? To have a business where we have complete freedom and flexibility that can not only run, but grow without you. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You've got basically four or five pillars there, uh, depending on how you split up the team and the dream team, uh, that are core to, to building all the systems, the environment and the structure to set yourself up so that you can take time out from the business without it impacting the outcomes that your customers are achieving. And that's the other thing you said earlier, which I think is is really powerful to think in terms of what's the outcome I'm achieving and then what value is that to the client as opposed to how much time am I spending on this or how much uh, is my time worth or those kind of questions. Exactly. I think that if, if you've got a time for money style business, this can be very complicated. And I think if we go back to even how I run my business five years ago, um, thinking of being able to set my business up to be able to do this would be very difficult because there was a significant amount of key person risk. However, now, and we've spent a lot of time making sure that we've got a scalable business model that allows us to impact more people and do so from scale where we're not trading time for money. Uh, that it's made it a whole lot easier to make this transition. And as I mentioned, we, we really only rebirthed this idea in, in around about May. Um, and now we've basically got all of the wheels in motion ready to leave in March. Um, so basically in a little bit less than 12 months, we've been able to take something from a, an idea to complete execution. Hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, now you mentioned 
Mike Michalowicz earlier around um, you know, Profit First. I think you talked about Profit First as the book. I mean, he's written a, a bunch of others yeah. and his latest one, which is The Business Hierarchy of Needs. I think that's the name of the book. That's certainly the name of the system next. that he talks about. Uh, that's it. Fix It Next is the book. Yep. Um, where he does talk about the business hierarchy of needs and that's that kind of pulls everything together that he's done and it talks a lot about systems. So how important are systems in in what you're doing and in how all of the all of the pillars come together hugely important Jürgen. for our stage of business but i guess something that i want to make sure that we we talk to your audience depending on where they are at because ultimately you shouldn't just be chasing what other people are doing because people are all running their own race in their business and if you're looking up to, to business leaders and watching what they do, they're doing what's right for them now, not what was right for them when where you were at. So mm. what I try and do is I break business into four very simple quadrants. There's the marketing quadrant. How do you attract people into your universe and then be able to get them and compel them to put their hand up for your help? Then we've got sales. How do we turn those people who put their hand up for help into paying clients and customers? We've then got delivery. How do we deliver on our promise that we made when we brought people on board into our business to make sure that we don't only get them exceptional value, but we turn them into raving fans? And then growth. How do we make sure that we grow a profitable and scalable business that allows us to either derive more gratification as a result of our efforts or double down so we can continue to scale? Now, we do that in that particular order. Unless you got your marketing sorted, then we don't progress. So we go marketing, sales, delivery, and growth. And ultimately, we're all running our own race. So we need to make sure we've got systems in all of these areas in that order to make sure that we've got essentially an operating system that allows us to achieve the scale that we want in our business. For us, we've got the marketing sorted, sales is sorted, and delivery and growth has been two major focuses for us in business. Um, it's about making sure that we can continue to grow our team of, of people who are delivering value directly to our clients and do so in a way that I would do if I was doing it personally and also make sure we've got the right growth system so we're focusing on the right areas in our business to double down on. You, you kind of back the winning horses. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I like the way it's it's broken down too into those four. I mean, in some ways it mirrors our our whole marketing journey, which is broken down into three phases, but it kind of lumps the the sales and marketing part of that into the no like, and trust um factor or actually the no like and trust is kind of the overarching thing yep the um the question i have is around so you talked about marketing you had the marketing sorted you had the sales sorted and by that i'm assuming so correct me if i'm wrong here i'm assuming you had people that are now taking care of that either within your organization or, or people that you partner with or are providing services to you then you looked at the operation delivering the outcomes, which which typically is the problem-solving bit that entrepreneurs feel a strong sense of ownership of, and that's where they struggle to let go, and also that's their little baby. So how how do you how did you approach that part of it and saying, you know, I have to get other people that are able to do that as well. I can still do it, but it doesn't have to be me. Yeah, it's a really important point because I think it's probably the area that most entrepreneurs complain about the most of how do I systemize my delivery so I can deliver the same level of value at scale without me having to do it all. And I think this comes down to a, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy as well, Jürgen, that I find 
many business owners hold the belief that if they want something done well, they have to do it themselves. Hmm. And we as human beings, when we hold a belief, we surround ourselves with people and, and, and situations that reinforce that belief. So we need to ask ourselves, well, what if the opposite was true? And this is a, a journey that I had to go on myself. So what I realized is that my zone of genius is about architecting and creating IP, packaging IP and intellectual property in a way that people can understand easily and follow it from where they are to where they want to go to be able to achieve an outcome. So what we basically tried to do was to productize my intellectual property. Instead of me being the hero to the story all of the time, me being the one that has to, to work with all of the clients one-on-one, I unpacked that intellectual property and productized it, turned it into programs, frameworks, worksheets, tools, systems, and essentially provided a, a smorgasbord of options to my team that all they need to do is they're now basically the guide. They're the facilitators. They don't need to master or even learn all of the IP. They just need to know where to find the answers. And, and this was just the easiest way that I could find to take a, a service business that's very IP focused into being something that, that we can scale our delivery systems and get our clients outcomes at scale. Hmm. So how did you, because that's a big thing, I think, that you know, productizing a service. So if you think about service-based businesses, they're typically um, that involves a lot of human-to-human -human interaction. And that's where that danger of what we talked about a moment ago of the entrepreneur um, saying nobody can do this bit as good as I can, so I will continue to do it because otherwise the outcome won't be the same. So how did you go about turning the information that was essentially in your head and things that you'd created and ways of working that you'd built, how did you go about turning that into a product? Yeah, so there was, it's about unpacking it and having it what we refer to as a top-down approach to productizing your IP. And what we've got to realize is that everything that you've learned, your expertise that you've mastered over the course of your entire career has come to either move people away from pain or towards pleasure. And the best place to start is essentially unpacking all of those pain points that you're helping your clients move away from. So is it helping them get seen using podcasting? Is it lead generation? Is it helping them sell better? Is it helping them build better relationships, scale teams, whatever your area of expertise might be? What is the pain point that you're helping them move away from? And what is the goal or the pleasure that you're helping them work to or move towards? And what this will allow you to do is essentially create a mind map, a brain dump of all of the topics, all of the pillars that your IP is then categorized under. And what you essentially would then do is go through from the most frequently asked questions, problems, or goals in all of those areas, how do you start essentially systematically working through and organizing them to turn it essentially into a product intranet, a knowledge base? Hmm. And this, this might sound for many of you to be a long and arduous process, like, oh, how, how am I ever going to do this? And this is about progress over perfection. Like, think about it this, this way. If you just worked towards recording and unpacking one piece of your IP every single day of explaining and walking through step-by-step step how you would take somebody away from pain or move them towards pleasure, over the course of a year, there's hundreds of things that you can unpack. And how much, how much would you relieve the pressure of your team constantly asking you for the, the same questions and making you sound like a broken record? Because we now have a reference point. 
When a client asks for that again, instead of you having to explain it to them, we can now send them some training. When you need to train a team member, you can now send them that training. And essentially with this knowledge base, it allows us to unpack that IP and then essentially organize it in a way that's easy to consume. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. And somebody that was also on, in fact, he's the only person that's been on the show four times, Dave Jennings, who he wrote a book a while ago called um, Authority Content. And he recently published a book called Systemology. And he talks about building the system, the system for systems. And one of the things he taught me following on from what you've just said is when you do stuff during the day, record a video of yourself doing that. Record a screencast or, or some other video to, that shows how you've done that and breaks it down. And then give it to somebody to document more formally. And that, that to me has been an absolute godsend in terms of putting together that uh, knowledge base that you mentioned. And like you say, it does a whole bunch of things because now um, you can start to say, well, why don't you take care of that to one of your team members? Why don't you take on that responsibility? And here's how, here's how I want it done. And, and now you refine that process because maybe you'll come up with a better way of doing it, but the outcome's got to be like this. And the second thing is it's a training, like you said, it's a training um, training booklet or training training manual that you then have for the new people coming on board, which exactly. is a huge time saver. Hugely valuable. And look, I, I found that even myself, that by we take our IP for granted, the way that we've always done things, right? Most of us are unconsciously competent at how we do most of the things in our business. And what, that's a double-edged sword. It's great because you can essentially not even have to think about it and just go through the motions, but it essentially means that you're typically not improving the way that you do that thing. The only time you improve it is you, you actually go back to being consciously incompetent or identifying that opportunity. And there's no better way to identify ways to improve your IP, make it even better than to unpack it and teach somebody else. And we've made yeah. exponential leaps and bounds in how we teach our clients to be able to create more profit, more free time, and more personal wealth using their business than going through this process. It's, it's, it's actually benefited us as a result of teaching them, which is amazing. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really good point to, because it forces you to articulate it in a way that explains it to somebody else, right? Uh, rather than doing it unconsciously, as you say. And to me, there's a lot of value in that and you're, you've obviously seen that. So one of, one of the things, and you know, you've talked about your forthcoming trip, which sounds like absolute fun. One of the things you talk about a lot in, in your material that, that's available is enjoying the journey of entrepreneurship and enjoying the journey of business. So how do you build that part of it into all the other things that we've talked about? Yeah. Well, how do you make sure you don't lose that? Because when, when people first start out, usually that's there, right? Exactly. I think it's, it's easier said than done. I agree. But I developed a mantra that I, I use for everything. And it is live for today and plan for tomorrow. I think it's super important that we have balance. Because what we've got to realize, guys, is that tomorrow isn't promised. Um, we can all defer gratification into the future if we really force ourselves to. But it's been proven, and I wrote about this in my first book, that only one out of three of us is intrinsically able to defer gratification into the future. There was a study that was done by Stanford University called the Marshmallow Experiment. 
And basically what they did is they wanted to test how many people of the human population on average were able to intrinsically defer gratification. So they got four and five-year-old kids, they put them into a room, and they basically gave them a marshmallow. And they said, hey, you can eat this marshmallow. I'm going to leave the room, but if you don't eat the marshmallow, and when I come back, it's still here, I'll give you a second marshmallow. Now, they put the kids in the room. They didn't tell them how long. It was 15 minutes. And some kids ate the marshmallow straight away. Some ate it at five minutes. Some ate it at 10 minutes. Some even got to 14 minutes and 30 seconds. But what they were able to prove is that two out of three kids could not defer gratification. And only one out of three could. Now, myself personally, I'm the two out of three. I cannot indefinitely defer gratification to the future. I need to take chips off the table. So what's extremely important here is that we have balance. Just because you're in business doesn't mean you have to work 60 hours a week. It doesn't mean you have to sacrifice taking your kids to school or missing their dance recitals or sports games on the weekend. Make the time. When you make the time, you will work within the time that you have available. And coming back to Parkinson's law, it is a, a law that governs all of mm. us as human beings. We use the means we have available. Limit the means because you're the architect of your future as an entrepreneur. That's why you got into entrepreneurship in the first place. Um, to master your time and make sure that you, you take the time to enjoy the fruits of your labor because you deserve it. Mm. And, and of course, that means that when you are spending time in your business, you're much less likely to be resentful of having to spend the time there because basically you've given yourself the freedom to to choose the gratification in any given moment, to spend the time with your family, to spend the time with friends, to spend the time traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive. <laughs> Exactly. I guarantee you that as a result of the time that you take out of your business, your business will grow even more. It sounds counterintuitive, but don't overestimate, underestimate the power of, of recharging your batteries and taking time out. Every time I've done it, and for every one of my clients that we've convinced, sometimes kicking and screaming to do this, <laughs> the growth that they've ultimately got in their life and in their wealth and in their business has been exponential. Hmm. All right. Now, before we move on to the buzz round, there was one other thing I wanted to explore with you. And you talked about outsourcing and bringing a team on board and picking the dream team. How do you set up the environment for the people you start to bring on board so that, you know, you've got a culture there that is the culture that you want in your organization? Basically, you're building an organization that reflects your own values. Um, what what you value but also what the goals are and and people understand how that's important how do you build that culture right up front so that when you start to bring people on with certain expertise they've actually got they are a cultural fit and they have values that are consistent or congruent with your values yeah this is super important i think this is one of the, the most important things when trying to scale a business and I've always had the, the firmly held belief that you should always hire on values and train everything else. Hmm. I have always brought people on because of who they are as a person and their character and what makes them tick and their why, as opposed to their skill set. And I'm more than happy to train the skill set when somebody has the passion and the values that align with ours and they're, they're willing and they're excited and they're able to learn. So one of the things that very few business owners do in my experience is appropriate psychometric testing when they've got new candidates coming into their business. Now, the first thing is, and we spoke about this already, Jürgen, that we need to design the dream team. You need to create the role and then find the right person for it as opposed to the other way around. Because 
I believe there's more danger in finding the person and trying to create a role for them than finding, creating the role and then finding the right person for that role. Assuming mm. you've got that sorted, you should be looking to do ideally three psychometric, four psychometric tests for any new person that's coming into your business. In, in actual fact, you should do it yourself and you should get your team to do it right now. <laughs> First thing is disc profiling. You can do a free one through Tony Robbins. There's plenty of paid ones that are on the internet, but knowing your disc profile is really, really important. The second one is a version of Myers-Briggs that's called 16 Personalities. And what this helps you understand is more so from a, a, a personal standpoint, what makes somebody tick as an individual? Next one is a test that was done by a book that was written by Gina Wickman called Rocket Fuel. It's called the, the Visionary Integrator Test. Mm -hmm. About understanding whether somebody is an ideas person or whether they're somebody who executes. All of those three are free. The last one is paid, but in my opinion is the most valuable and it's called the Colby A. K-O-L-B-E-A. And it's unlike any other behavioral profile where it considers four key uh, aspects of an individual to be able to identify basically their OM, their, uh, their essentially what their motivators are um, as an individual. And these four tests will give you a really good understanding of what makes someone's tick and, and whether they're going to be a values fit for your business. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. So I'm, I'm familiar with the first three of those. I'm not familiar with the Colby. Uh, and it sounds like that's a, a pretty big one in that in that four that you do. Massive. It's something we've done with our team extensively and it's really changed the, the actually the roles that many of our team members were in because we, we actually quickly realized that many people weren't actually in their zone of genius. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can go under the surface unnoticed unless you do these kinds of things that bring it to the surface and allow you to make the right decisions. Hmm. All right. Well, that's fascinating. So I think it's a good time now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. And we've already got lots of insightful um, information, but these five questions hopefully will give us some really insightful answers that'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Beautiful. So what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? You constantly need to be learning and surrounding yourself with people who can teach you new things. My motto has always been that as an entrepreneur, you're like a tree. You're either growing and thriving or rotting and dying. You've got to choose one. Um, and innovation is a byproduct of new ideas and forward thinking. So if you surround yourself with forward thinkers and you're constantly learning, then innovation will just be a byproduct of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the, the whole learning philosophy. I mean, I, I get motivated simply by just learning something new and I, wow, I've learned something new and, and then to take that to the next level and actually apply that or connect the dots with something else, um, is for me where innovation happens. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? I need to create space. And I think in the chaos of business, this can be easier said than done. And the best thing that I ever did was I created one day a week for me to work on my business. And this is something that we teach to all of our clients, that we advocate that you have Fridays off where it is your work on the business day. No client work, no interruptions, no checking emails, just pure working on the business. 
And by creating that space and that bandwidth, new ideas just flow. Uh, it's been a, a game changer for our business and for everyone who's implemented it. So I, I urge you to do it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I have been doing that for quite a long time and it certainly does work, but I have to put my hand up and say over the last few months with COVID and all other stuff going on, I've actually let that discipline slide a little bit. So I've been taking appointments on Fridays and doing other stuff. So it's kind of gotten washed out. So that's a good reminder for me to get back to that practice. Get, get back and reset, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? A favorite resource? Look, my favorite resource is honestly YouTube. It's so easy. I, I, I watch YouTube honestly every single night and I, I'm always, I've, I've got a thirst for knowledge. I'm a, I'm a student of entrepreneurship and I'm constantly looking for new things, new ideas, new people, uh, new inspiration. Um, and I feel, feel that we've just got access to so many phenomenal free resources and an abundance of, of information. Um, but what lacks is making the time to go out in search of it. So honestly, I think once a day, just go and do a search and just learn something new, jump on YouTube. It's so quick and easy um, for you to, to obtain that information. Yeah, and, and YouTube is, I think, one of those under underutilized resources. It is the second biggest search engine in the world after Google and it's hugely popular. I mean, it's way ahead of all the other search engines except for Google. And yep. it, to me, I mean, I go onto YouTube all the time when I'm doing something at home. If something breaks at home and I, I wonder, well, could I fix that myself or do I need to get somebody to come and do that or do I need to replace the thing? Um, first thing I do, go onto YouTube, you know, how to, how to fix X, Y, Z. And nine times out of 10, there'll be a plethora of, different approaches that people have taken many of many of which are implement you know i can implement them without too much issue exactly and, uh, bye bye. <laughs> exactly that's right and certainly um in a business sense there's so much information there so yeah i, I can really endorse that now what's the best way to keep a client on track you know let's say you put together the strategy you put together this plan how can they build systems and processes and a team around themselves so that they're no longer trading time for money how do you how do you work with them to keep them on track it's all about momentum the the, the thing is that look at anything in life like a gym membership is a great example when you mm. are in the habit of going to the gym you're going every day or you're going a certain number of times per week you're fine you just happen to just do it it's like second nature but what happens when you go on that holiday, right? And you fall out of the habit. How hard is it to get back to the gym after you've broken the momentum? And the same thing happens mm. with our clients. Our focus, our number one focus, once we create the plan and we define where they want to go and where they are now and we work out the best way to bridge the gap is to keep the momentum. It's about finding that pace as if you're running a marathon, that you can settle into that pace and it's conducive to getting work done and focusing on progress over perfection. It is the number one tool that I believe we have as coaches and um, to help people get phenomenal results. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's so much to like about what you said there. I mean, the progress over perfection, something is is really about, forget about procrastination or something, just keep moving forward. And then the other thought that came to me there is what um, James Clear talks about a lot in atomic habits and all the all the material he puts out which is doing the little things regularly that that give you that momentum that then build up to big things okay now 
what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Get clear on your why and sell it. I think mm. the thing that's unique about your business is you. There is no other person on this world that is like you. And I think that there are far too few service-based businesses, whether they be coaches, consultants, advisors, agency owners that actually do a great job at selling themselves. Like once again, own yourself, be yourself, present yourself. One of the things that makes us uniquely us is the fact that we share our, our successes, our failures, absolutely everything about what we do. And we do so openly because we realize that the better we can share us, the more we can find and attract people that resonate with the way that we present ourselves. And, and on the, in contrast, the more that we repel people that honestly we wouldn't enjoy working with and they wouldn't enjoy working with us. Um, stop trying mm. to please everyone. Yeah, and that's that last bit that you've said there is the bit that I think people fail to understand. They get They kind of get, okay, if I understand this is my ideal client, so I'll appeal to them and maybe that'll attract them more to me but if i narrow down my focus i miss out on all these other opportunities and i always say well be thankful that you miss out on those opportunities that are not a good fit exactly um, and i think that's you know you've highlighted that so you wouldn't there's some people that you wouldn't enjoy working with or they wouldn't enjoy working with you or you might not actually be the best person to help them and to repel them saves everybody a lot of time and grief. Exactly right. Hmm. Okay. Well, thanks, Jackson. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, best way is to connect with me on Facebook. Just search for me, Jackson Milan, The Wealth Mentor. Feel free to connect with me. We're always putting uh, great content out there to inspire service-based business owners to create more profit, free time, and personal wealth. We've also got a free Facebook community that's called Six and Seven Figure CEOs, How to Turn Business Profit into Wealth. Um, they'll be linked on my uh, my bio as well. I'm sure Jürgen will chuck that in the uh, in the show notes. Um, so feel free to connect with me. And uh, yeah, if there's any way we can help, feel free to connect and we can have a chat. Yep, absolutely. We'll have it in the show notes and people can click straight through. All right. Now, is there some parting advice you'd like to leave our listener today? Another piece of advice that my old man taught me and another quote from Confucius. <laughs> Confucius said the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is today. Stop dwelling on the past of the opportunities that you've missed and start seizing the opportunities that exist right now. Um, it's the best advice I can give you and uh, focus on that progress over perfection. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things I really like there. I've already mentioned the progress over per perfection and how I like it. The, um, and that Confucius quote is brilliant. I, it's um i i'd actually say the best time is now not today but now yeah hmm. all right well thanks jackson now who else should i get on this show and why that's a great question i've uh i've got a, a phenomenal friend of mine uh by the name of taki moore He's a uh, he's a an absolute thought leader in the the group coaching space helping coaches create more impact through uh, through group coaching platforms, um, he would be a phenomenal resource for, uh, for for this podcast. All right, well, we'll get an introduction from you to Taki because I've been following his work for quite some time, and I know a lot of my listeners are actually huge fans of Taki's work. So it'd be awesome to have him on the show and have a conversation with him. Yep, I'll uh, make sure I connect you, mate. He's a good friend, and I'm sure he'd be more than happy to to share some value. 
Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Jackson, for sharing all your insights so generously with us today. I'm, I've really enjoyed the conversation, a follow-up from our earlier conversation before we decided to have you on the podcast. Um, I've enjoyed all your advice today. I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about your trip around Australia and four-wheel driving. I'm hoping that there'll be some photos in that Facebook group. But all the best for that and all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Jackson and took something away from his episode. I'm a big fan of Jackson's mindset to shift from time for money to productized services and building a business that serves your lifestyle and he certainly shared a lot of tips for achieving exactly that. I'd love to know what you took away from Jackson's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Jackson Millan. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-M-I-L-L-A-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Jackson Millan. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Jackson there, as well as links to the Wealth Mentor website, to his book, The Secrets to Scaling a Seven-Figure Lifestyle Business, his Enjoy the Journey podcast, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please share it with two other people that it might help. Tag me in that share and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise. Jackson suggested that we have a conversation with Taki Moore of Million Dollar Coach on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So Taki, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast courtesy of Jackson Millan. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got more fantastic guests lined up, including business strategy and marketing consultant Mike Moll and Brendan Kumarasamy of Master Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.